to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out, please. We're going to be in James chapter 4 today, James chapter 4, quite a bit. We're also going to be going to Matthew chapter 7. The harder one will be Job chapter 38. So Job chapter 38, that's before the book of Psalms, if you're in the Old Testament. So Matthew 7, Job 38. James chapter 4, it starts off, it says, Where do wars and fights come from amongst you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? that war in your in your members you lust and you do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures adulterers and adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he who gives more grace, but he gives more grace, sorry. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God that he will draw near to you and cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy be to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of brothers of, of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so last week we did the first 10 verses of this chapter and, and it kind of moves into the next one and, and today's, it's, it's kind of like, to me I didn't get it at first. I'm like, you know, it just seems like there's several different messages within this, but you can't really do two ver, I mean I could do two verses for a whole hour, but I don't think you guys would appreciate it. So I mean, it was a point where how do I kind of mold this together? And the Lord just kind of showed me that this is still all one topic. Last week we, we spoke on the wrong motives. The first three vo- verses were wrong motor- motives. And so our, we talk, I brought up the R.A. Torrey book, Power of Prayer. And you remember the verse that he talked about? He said, you know, you have not because you ask not. And why? It's because we ask amiss. It's because we come before the Lord and we're asking Santa Claus to kind of just meet the needs that I have today and kind of do the things that I want. And, and, and we're not coming before him with just a humble heart and just crying out to God. Remember he read it, and I read the first couple pages in there, and it talked about why does the pastor 
not have a, a, a congregation that's on fire for the Lord? Why do we still not have the basic needs and the, and the spiritual relationship with the Lord? Why? Because we have not, because we ask not. We don't come before God and just humble ourselves and just cry out to Him, and Lord, what is it that you have for me just today? I'm not worried about the things that are coming out, but Lord, just what can I do to serve you and to love you and just and just give back for all the things that you have done for me? He says, you have not because you ask not. One of the things that James then talked about was, was friendship with the world. You know, and he talked about that, that God is a jealous God. And we, we went back to the Old Testament and we looked at the Ten Commandments and, and God said, look, don't, don't have other gods before me. Why? Because I'm jealous for you. And I use the illustration of Christine. She's over here today. Last week she was over there. It was just that if somebody came in and they were, you know, going, hey, how you doing, Christine? I'd be like, hey, that's my wife. You know, some jealousy is going to rise up in me. It's not a, it's not a jealous thing that's a bad thing. It's, hey, get away from my wife. That's, that's mine. Go get your own. You know? I mean, there's a jealousy that's going to rise up and we're going to, you know, kind of escort him to someplace else. But the beautiful thing about God is that even when that happens, that it said in the scripture verse there, it says, but he gives more grace. That even when we go through these struggles and we go through these ups and downs in our relationship with the Lord, it says, but, gives more grace he doesn't hold back he doesn't say no you ran out of your grace for me that's it man i'm I'm done you've tapped out you know that's all that i had for you and i've got to give more over here to steve and 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 i I can't give you any more it's knowing that he pours out even more grace why because he knows that we need it and he's jealous for us and he loves us then he moved on and said it was a more of a right relationship, that we needed to have a right relationship with God. And it was, you know, we talked about Moses in the Old Testament, his last charge to the people as they get ready to go into the land. It was, and one of the things he talked about was clinging to God. You know, how many of us do, do, do we cling to God? Do we just hold on to God for every single thing that we have? Every single thing that we need? Lord, it's just, I, I don't want to let you out of my sight. I'm going to hold on to you and I'm just going to grab onto you, God, and you're not going anywhere because I, I need you today. Even if things are going well, I don't know what's coming up around the corner. God, I, I need you. I need more grace and I need more help and I need, I'm just, I'm just, as I'm praying to God and it gets back to that, I have not because I ask not because, oh, Lord, I just, I cling to you. Why? Because I need you. I don't need more of me. And he finished out 10 was talking about just humbling yourselves before the Lord. And as we come into the presence of God, it's, it's not having the haughty attitudes of some of the, we mentioned there's some churches that, you know, you just, you tell God, you know, you proclaim, you promise you got to give it to me. Oh, that's, that's a haughtiness. How dare you go before the Lord like that? I mean, he says that he promises something, he'll give it to you. He'll, he'll do what his word says, but you don't come in with a haughty attitude towards him. That's the Lord who created all things. He's the one who gives you the very breath that you're breathing right now. And instead, our attitude needs to come in before him and just go on our knees. We talked a little bit about how James, it was the same thing when I believe when Jesus came back to him, that when he realized his brother really was the Messiah, man, I think James just dropped to his knees. There was a humbleness before Jesus and before God that he had never had before. He just, Lord, I, it's you. 
And I think sometimes when we get saved and then as we go through our lives, we get a little, we get a little stronger, we get a little bit more of ourselves, and maybe sometimes we don't, we don't remember that humbleness that we had when we came to the Lord. And we had nothing and we just had junk to give him. We're like, Lord, it's yours, man. And I am so thankful that you saved me because man, I was just, I needed it. And we forget that humbleness. And as, as James says, man, you need to come before the Lord with just a humble heart. And just a humble attitude and just cry out and beg him, Lord, please, God, today, please be there for me. And as we move into verse 11 here, and to me, it was, it was kind of interesting. I would have thought that he would have put a therefore there, correct? We've gone through all this kind of talk and we've brought us up to the point, and I'm kind of expecting as we're studying the Bible is that he's going to put a therefore, you know, like verse 11 is going to be therefore, do not speak, but he doesn't do that. James just moves right into the verse here and he says, hey, look, you know, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Verse 11, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and, and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And now now we're going to go into Bible study time for you guys. You know, I like to do this because I've like to point stuff out. to. If you were going to study this area of scripture, I think it's kind of obvious what we're going to study, right? As you're looking at this, you can just kind of highlight these things and you're going to see certain words that just repeat themselves. Remember we talked about this in the past? You're going to look for certain words that kind of repeat themselves all the time. So speaks evil is like there is, is there three times. So I, I think, I think James is trying to get something to us, right? So speak evil, this is, is to slander. It's to speak against somebody. It's talked about the, the tongue in chapter three. Remember in chapter three, we talked about the tongue here and he talked about, you know, the, the bits on horses and the, the rudders on the back of a ship. So James is saying, look, we, you all got a problem with your tongue. And I'm telling you right now, don't slander somebody else. Don't use those words, those harsh words towards other people. The other word that you see many times, you see it five times in the first two verses here is judges. Judges here, there's actually two different words. The first three, the four that we're going to use is, it's a verb, it's to pronounce judgment against. It's of those who act the part of a judge, of a judge in a matter of common life. It's to condemn somebody. Like we like to come across and we like to be the judge and we like to make that decision and, and you've been condemned and you're, you're off. So as, as you read back in this verse, it says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. So you've spoken evil, you've slandered somebody, and now you're coming across and and you're judging somebody, you've condemned somebody. How how do we see that in the church? Well, we see it all the time, don't we? You know, again, I've joked around, guys, guys share, we don't gossip, you know, we just kind of share what's going on in their life. But others, you know, from what I understand, I haven't been in a ladies ladies Bible study, but some say that some people gossip. You know, guys don't gossip, we share, but but you kind of get the, the drift, right? We kind of go and we kind of share something about somebody or we kind of give out some information to somebody and we have just kind of just ripped that person apart, have we not? And so we, and maybe, maybe not even in a harmful way. Maybe you heard something and you're like, oh, brother, man, you got to pray for John. Yeah, he's not here today, but whew, man, there's just some things going on there. We need to pray for him. Why? Because of this. And we just start laying out a list of the things that John has shared with me. Well, I've, I've slandered this man. You know, I've, I've opened up his heart to other people that have no business knowing anything that's going on. Well, maybe I do it because it's I'm, I'm actually doing it in a deceitful way. Why? Because I'm actually trying to, to climb up the church ladder here, and maybe I give out some information on, on Bert 
Why? Because I want Jonathan over there. I don't want Bert over there. And so I gotta, I gotta slander Bert and I gotta get him out of the, the booth over there. Why? Because I want, actually, I want Jonathan over there. And so I slander him and I bring up some, oh, I'm sorry, did I say that? I didn't mean to say that, but yeah, he's struggling. You know, so I, I slander him and I bring out information. And why? Because I can't control this thing behind my teeth. And as I slander somebody and, and that tongue goes out and it's just wagging and going forth and then all of a sudden you don't even know what you've said anymore. There's just stories and people's lives that I've just kind of ripped apart all over the place. The law also comes up four different times. And you can actually just use this as for, in two, verse two, in chapter two, verse eight, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's what James is talking about here as he's referencing other people. So let's again look at this verse. So if we, we take those definitions and we apply them into what we're talking about here and starts off in verse 11, it says, do not slander one another brethren. And James uses this word brethren again. This is 15 times in this book he uses brethren. And the word brethren here is now he's talking to the church, remember? A lot of times you, you'll hear verses and you'll hear, read the, the Bible and he's talking to the world and he, James is talking to the church. He's talking to the early church. They're, they're Jewish Christians that just came to know the Lord and this is one of the, he's just, he's just pouring into them and he's showing them things that he sees that are just going on and issues within the church. And right now he's talking, hey, look, brethren, brothers, listen to me. Calvary Chapel Christian fellows, listen to me. I'm writing you this letter. I'm saying, listen, don't don't slander one another. I have it, have an integrity of of a little bit higher than that. You know, again, he talked about earlier in the in the in the first chapter about just why are you making friends with the world? You know, these men are are just coming in and they're 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 stealing from you and they're ripping you off, and you just bow down to them. Don't do it's it's us. This is who we've got. It's, it's the early Christians. Remember, they, they were, they, the Israelites didn't like them. Rome didn't like them. It was just the Christians all by themselves. They had nobody. And as, as James is looking at this church, he's saying, look, brothers, listen, don't. We can't have division within our church. You can't slander somebody like that. Stop it. We're family. He moves on in these definitions. He says, He who slanders a brother and condemns his brother speaks against the law and pronounces judgment against the law. And James says, if, if you do this, if you do this very thing here, not only have you, 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 you've slandered, you've taken the role of God. Why? Because now you're casting judgment on somebody else and you've risen up into this position of who God is and now you're doing the things of God. You're, you're, you're slandering, you're, you're casting judgment and, and now all of a sudden it's you. But even greater is that you've, you've cast judgment on God's law. Why? Because you've risen up into that position and you say, you know what? I, I'm going to supersede what God's law says here. I'm not going to love my neighbor. I'm not going to do this. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that action myself. And you come into somebody's life and you just, you just go at it. You slander them. You cast judgment on what they're doing. Instead of doing the things that you know that you need to do, you need to come alongside somebody and build them up. The reference before to, to John and Connie was, you know, they could have come into my life and said, Kevin, man, listen, this is the things I see. And bam, 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 bam. And they could have just, they could have just outlined it right there. 30 seconds. Kevin would have been a puddle of tears and just been, just ruined. 
That's what could have happened. They could have risen up in that position of who God was. They, well, they could have been gods in my life and just completely ruined. Instead, what they do is they do the opposite. They come alongside and they pour into somebody. They pray for that person. They give them godly counsel. They bring them back to the scriptures and they build them up. Why? Because that's what God has called us to do. Instead, James is saying, looking at the church that's going on right now and says, look, you guys are rising up in this position and you are just tearing each other apart. And again, as a church, we, we have nobody else. This church had nobody else. And he's trying to hold it together and say, brethren, brothers, it's us. We need to love each other. We need not to do those things and act in somebody's life. But if you pronounce judgment against the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. A judge being a noun there. You are an actual judge in that person's life. There's a couple things here. One, turn quickly to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. We're going to talk about judging just kind of quickly here. Matthew 7. Because some of you guys are going, well, uh, we're not supposed to judge anybody, Kevin. We're, that, that's, that's just what Scripture says. You're not supposed to judge anybody. Right? Judge lest you be judged. I mean, I, we can't do those kinds of things, right? Well, James, uh, Matthew chapter 7 starts off, judge not that you be not be judged, right? So, I mean, Kevin, what are, you shouldn't even be doing that anyways. For with that judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure of you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in another brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to a brother, let me remove that speck from your own eye and take a plank from your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So again, I, you read that and you're like, well, Kevin, I, you're not supposed to judge anybody. I mean, that's just, that's just common scripture there. Well, no, no, it's not. Because see, none of us then would have any correction within our own lives, right? I mean, if I'm, if I'm doing things and I'm heading down to the bar down here, you know, after church, you know, why? Because it's a British bar and I, hey, I'm just going to take in a couple and, you know, I've had a rough morning, a tough morning. I've worked hard this morning already, so I'm just going to let off a little steam. If you guys see me heading down there, you know, you're going to say, hello, Kev, what, what are you doing? Well, I'm just going to grab a couple with the guys down here and, and watch some, some rug, I don't know, what, what do they watch down there? Anybody? Know? Yeah, you shouldn't know that. I mean, <laughs> Well, for several reasons. One, you're not even 21, but two, you shouldn't know that anyways. But anyway, so, so rugby or whatever that they're watching down there. You, Kevin, you can't do that. Well, is that, are you judging me? No. That's just common sense, man. You can't be doing that. So it's not a point that you're judge, don't ever judge anybody. No, it means that you're not being hypocritical in your judgment, that I've got this big log as saying, hey, dude, get out of my way. I'm trying to get in there myself. It's not that. It's a point of, look, you shouldn't be doing that. Why? Because we all need somebody to come alongside. Iron sharpens iron. And as we go back to the scriptures and we say, look, Kevin, this is why you wouldn't be doing those things. And I come alongside somebody and they go, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't be doing that. I'm not judging that person. I'm bringing them to scripture. I'm showing them the areas within their life. So it's not talking about that you never judge anybody. That's not the point of this. The point is that James is talking to this church and saying, look, you are judging people. You're rising up into that position. You're being a God within their life. I'm thankful for people to come into my life and to show me, <laughs> later on to show you, oh, I'm thankful. Not at that moment I'm not thankful, but uh, later on I'm very thankful when those people come into my life and they challenge me on areas that I've been weak in. Why? Because if I'm never shown those areas that I'm weak in, I can never get strong again. I mean, it's, it's one thing to allow somebody to, to be able to come into your life and to pour into you and then you just 
you pray about it and you're like, Lord, they're, they're right. I need to strengthen this area of my life. So judging is not the point of what he's talking here. Go back to James if you want to. Well, it would help. But also in verse, in, 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 he talks in, in 122, talks about being a doer of the word. Remember in, in chapter one, you guys, we talked about being a doer of the word, that there has to actually be an action to your faith. You remember we talked about that? And James was very strong about this. And in verse 22, in chapter one, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So James is sitting there looking at him and saying, Hey, look, you guys are, are now judges. You're not doers anymore. And, and God doesn't need judges. Hello. You know, he's, he's, he's a pretty adequate judge on himself. For himself, he needs doers. He needs us to be active within our faith. And we talked about that. It was talking about being a doer. It'd be like Don, Pastor Don being away and him writing us a letter and saying, hey, look, there's some things I'd like to get done. If you could get this done and this done. And, and then he comes back and, and he goes, hey, Kevin, you know, you, did you get my letter? And like, yeah, dude, we got it, man. We, we studied that letter for three weeks while you were gone, man. It was just, it was a blessed letter. It was just awesome. I mean, we just, we read the letter, man. We even had Bible studies and we broke down the original Greek on it. I mean, we just did an incredible job on that letter. I mean, there's, I know I don't brag, but there's a lot of people in this church that can, have memorized it. I mean, it was a wonderful letter. Hey, well, well, Kevin, but you didn't do anything in that I asked you to do. Oh, no, we didn't want to do that stuff. We just wanted to study it. And so the same thing then comes to us is, is, is James looking at it and saying, look, I don't, I don't need people to sit there and be judges. I don't need people to just sit there and, and just have a, a knowledge of the word. I mean, that's a very important within our life and that's what we're supposed to do. But wait, I need doers of the Lord. I need people who are actually going to go out into the world and actually do something for Jesus Christ. I need somebody who's going to go out there into the world and share the love of Jesus Christ to somebody so that then they will know what the love is. And then they will then accept Jesus and then now they become a Christian. That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to go, and, and he moves on into verse 27. I wasn't going to do this, but pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So to be a doer of the word, I actually need to go do something, correct? I mean, we can't come constantly come in here and just sit in our chairs and be comfortable and then go home. No, we've been called to do something. So go back to chapter 4 here. And so as James is moving on, he says, So, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but you're a judge. And he says, well, you know what? James is pretty good about this. He says, man, I, I need to kind of to clarify this. But you know what? In verse 5 he says, but there's there's one lawgiver. How How many lawgivers are there? How many gods are there? There's just one. He's talking about, he said, look, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? And we'll say, well, Kevin, who is this? Who is God then? That's why I want you to turn to Job chapter 38. This is probably one of my favorite areas of scripture is Job 38. Completely hysterical because I really don't love the book of Job because it's like, I am lost, you know, go get new friends and move on, you know, but so, and if any of you have read this, you're laughing right now because you're like, yes. So in, verse, in chapter 38, God is having, Job's been going back and forth and seeking counsel. And then finally, God's like, man, I've had enough of this. All right, I'm, I'm going to kind of step in here and I'm going to take care of things myself now. So he moves into verse 38 and I'm not going to read all of it. Okay, 
Um, I'm not that good of a reader, but for two chapters of, of Job. But I'm going to start it off and it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by, by my words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. So Job said, God's sitting there looking at Job, and he says, look, this is it. Who, who, who is this? Are you, you, you talking to me? Then fine, look, I'm going to give you my resume. So God's going to lay out his resume to him here. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have an understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in, who shut in the sea with the doors when it burst forth the issued from the womb? When I made the clouds in its, its garment and the thick darkness in its sweat, swaddling band. I should have brought my cheaters today. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars on the doors. And when I said, this is, this far, you may come, but no further. And here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It takes on the form of the clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me. If you know all this. So Job, God just continues to talk to Job and he just lays out everything that he did from the time. He's like, look, I, I did it all. I spoke it into existence and there was the heavens and the earth. I spoke it into his existence and I stopped the waters and told them to where to be at. I did all these things. And before they even know that there were springs underneath the water, okay, of the oceans, God wrote it in his scripture. Is that amazing? Nobody had been to the bottom of the ocean to know that there were springs there, but yet God's word knew that. So again, so even from the very beginning, Job, I was there. So who are you then to come to me and ask me or challenge me on where my position is? And the same thing today is, as James looks at us and says, look, there is one God. There's one lawgiver. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's pretty good at what he does. God says, look, I'm the one, I'm the one in charge. And James is just letting them know, it implies to criticize that the law is to presume to take his place. And with the presumption of enacting a better law. And so as he looks at them and says, there is one lawgiver, just one. And you're not allowed to raise up and take the position of God. Who is able to save and to destroy? The save here, it talks about, is is to to deliver or protect. It's to heal is to preserve. And to destroy is to put out of the way entirely, is to abolish, is to put an end to and to ruin. And when I read that, it, it, it sounded kind of rough and kind of strong, doesn't it? I mean, here is a God who created all things, and here's a God, we like to think of the God who saves, don't we? We like to think of God, it gives grace, and he gives mercy, and I, I fall down and I scrape my knee, and God picks me up and puts a little band-aid on there and takes care of it. I mean, that's the God that I like to think of. But God also destroys. God has the ability to rise up and to, to, to get rid of the wicked. Matthew 10, 28 says, And do not fear those, Jesus speaking, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
So Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't fear the man right now. You need to have a healthy relationship and fear of God. Because he's the one who can rise up. Yes, he can create and he can save, but God can also rise up and he can destroy. And he can wipe those things out and gone. He reminds them there and says, you are not to judge another. Verse 13 says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We have a joke at our texting board for the men's group is, you know, if you're going to be there, you know, if the creek doesn't rise, you know. And so immediately when I read this, you know, and so all the old people laugh because that's our joke. But Jeremy didn't know it. Jeremy thought it was the other way around that, you know, don't, anyways, he misinterpreted it. So because he's young, younger generation. But so the creek don't rise. So what God's saying here is, look, don't don't make plans. You're sitting there. You're making these plans of what you're going to do. He uses this illustration. It's, it's of businessmen going out and they're they're just making plans. He says, come now, who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, we're going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to make a bunch of profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, he shall live. We shall live and do this and that or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. It reminded me, if you turn over to Luke... Luke chapter 12. Jesus kind of uses the same illustration here. Luke 12, verse 16, the parable of the rich fool. Jesus speaking to them says, Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build a greater, and there I will store all my crops for my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then who, whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so James is kind of saying the same thing again as what Jesus had talked about there is, again, it's, it's the heart behind what you're doing. As you raise up, again, it's not, it's not against the Bible to have money. It's not against the Bible to be rich. It's not, it, but where's your heart in this? The rich young fool here, he was sitting there saying, look, I've got all this. I'm going to do is I'm going to hoard it. I'm going to keep it within all my treasures and in my coffers. And man, I'm just going to kick up my feet and I'm just going to relax the rest of the day of my life. And Jesus is saying, look, you don't even know, understand what you're doing. You did all this work and you stored up all these things and you know what? Your, your soul's being called tonight. You're, you're dead. You're gone. And James is saying the same thing is that you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're rising out and you're going to make all this money and your, your heart is no longer on what God wants you to do. You haven't prayed about going to these places. You haven't so, seek God's counsel or anything that you're doing. And yet all you're trying to do is just gain as much money as you possibly can. That you could just keep it to yourself and not have any cares as far as life from the rest on. I had the opportunity to speak to a young man the other day, and um, he's kind of going through some some opportunities in life, and he's in he's in full time ministry currently, and um, but he has an opportunity, and he's got a, a young child, he's in a relationship, and um, uh, she's got kids too, and and so he's he's looking at this, going, man, I. I'm going to have a hard time 
being able to provide. Well, the Lord, he believes, provided an opportunity to go work someplace. And so instead of just jumping into it and taking it and, and thinking, hey, look, I'm just going to get a bunch of money. I'm going to be able to move. He, he's seeking counsel. He's gone to the pastors of his church, the elders of his church. He's asking for prayer. He, he spoke to a couple other guys. And, and so the problem, the struggle that he has is that, man, I'm going to be, I want to be in full-time ministry, but, but I also, I need to be able to provide. I, I'm going to have a family and I currently have a daughter and I just want to be able to, to meet those needs. And, and how do I do this? How do I struggle with that? So, of course, then he talked to me because you know, I'm like, well, dude, I understand where you're at. But the beautiful thing about being in ministry is we're, we're all in ministry, are we not? I mean, you guys are in ministry. I'm in ministry. You don't have to have a title to be in ministry. What you have to have is a, is a heart for the Lord and a, and a desire to be a doer of the word. And, 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 and you also have to be able to be able to provide for your family. As we look at Pastor Don, that's the, the reason that he's going down the road that he's going on now is because he needs to be able to provide for his family and Lynette and, and Nathan to be able to, to do the things that he's been called there as a husband. Well, then he still has a heart and a desire to be here. And the same thing with me. I mean, trust me, if somebody came along, I mean, I, I'd love to be in full-time ministry. Full-time ministry. But I am in full-time ministry. You see, the, the opportunity I have here to teach here, but then I also have the opportunity to to be at a, a business place where I then am the boss, so I don't have to worry about, I can say whatever I want, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to get fired by my boss because I talked about Jesus. I, I get to share and I get to do whatever I want. I, I mean, I'm blessed. So I get to have church when I go to work, and then I get to come here and have church as well. But the key here is that these things need to be prayed about and they need to be thought through and you need to seek the Lord's counsel and you need to come to Him and say, Lord, what is it that you would have done for me? Lord, I've got these opportunities in my life and I have an opportunity to go and go to this, this area and make money. And, and, and Lord, is that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. Well, what is your heart to do with that money once you get it? Well, I just want to go buy a house in CS and I just want to kick my feet up the rest of my life is what I want to do. But, but uh, well, maybe that's not going to be the thing that I'm going to bless. But Lord, I just have a desire to, to help other ministries. I have a desire to see people come to know Jesus. And, and I know missionaries that are out there and I know different churches and, and not, a, and not in a fake way. You know, we all kind of make, you know, if I won this, man, Lord, you know, man, I would just bless some people. You know, it's not that. It's not the fake thing. It's, it's having a real genuine heart coming before God and saying, God, man, I just, I just want to, I just want to serve you. How can you help me to do that? I think that's the difference of what he's talking about here. And he said, so instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills that you shall have and you shall live and do this or that. So you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, man, I don't know what tomorrow's got, but these are some of the plans that I've got. Does this mean that we don't ever make plans? Do we have no, we have no vision as far as where we're going yet? That's, that's not, that's not godly as well too. You have to have, you have to be in motion for the Lord to be able to move you, correct? So if I sit here and Lord, just guide my day, you know, you just kind of sit there and you're not doing anything. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to guide somebody, right? I mean, you ever, I'm riding my bike. I'm just sitting there, you know, you gotta go, you know, you gotta get, you gotta get moving in life. And the same thing, I, you know, I always talk about Paul and if you look in the book of Acts, he, he heads out and the Lord stopped him and the, he heads out another place and the Lord stops him and then finally he's sitting there and then he gets the vision, remember? And the Lord says, look, I want you to go over here. Oh, thank you so much. Well, see, the point is the Lord didn't get upset with him. You know, Paul, why are you moving all these places? I didn't call you to go there. 
No, he's moving. Why? Because that way the Lord could speak to him. God, I, I just want to serve you, God. Where, where do you, I see some people over there that need you. I'm praying this would be the will. Let's go. And then the Lord stops him. The same thing in our lives, too. It's not that you don't have plans. You have to have a vision. You have to have a goal for your family. You have to have plans for being able to retire. You have to have plans of what college you're going to go to or not going to go to. I mean, you have to have an idea and you have to have an understanding of where you're going. So it's not a point of where he says, you know, hey, don't do anything. He says, no. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So if the Lord wills, this is the plans I've got. I'm going to head out here. Oh, the Lord changed the plan. He wants me to go over here instead. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me get over here and let me go do this thing that he's called me to do. That's what James is saying. He says, but now if you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And it's kind of interesting here. These words are all mixed up in the King James. But boast is, is to rejoice. It's to glory uh, with or without reason. You're just boasting. You're just rising up. I'm just glorying in whatever I've got. Arrogance is, and I think we all got no arrogance. Arrogance is the boasting. It's it's prideful. It's an empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. So this this arrogance is I'm just I'm just so comforted. I've got just a million dollars in the bank. I'm just trusting in the things that I've got earthly things. And man, life is good now. Why? Because I got some cash in the bank. I'm good. Well, no. Now you're you're counting on those earthly things. What if the stock market crashes and we have another bust and and now you've got no money? What now? Are you still trusting in those things? Well, no. Now I'm crying out to God. Well, see, that's the problem. We got it backwards. You should be just as happy if I got, man, I've got enough for today. That's what the Lord promises, right? He says, I'll take care of your needs today. And again, as I keep joking, always that we're all, we're all good. We're all dressed today. We've got food. There's a little bit of food over there if you didn't eat. I mean, we all have got something. We are better off in America than we are than 95% of the rest of the world. Why? Just because you live in this country. So your basic needs are just met automatically by being in this country. I mean, that's just amazing, is it? We don't, we don't, we're not worried about those things. So the arrogance of, that, of this one comes into us as Americans. Why? Because we always want that. We always want to know, make sure, yep, I've got this, I've got this, and I've got, oh, I'm good, Lord. What do you, what do you want me to do now? Well, no, I wanted you to do this before you did had all that stuff. I'm calling you into a relationship with me now because I want to be part of your life in all things. When Christine and I got married, it was amazing. We would do our budget at times and, you know, one and one was equaling three and we're like, man, I don't know how we're paying our bills. This is, this is crazy. You know, we had a house over there, a townhouse, and then, you know, we didn't know this. I mean, we got money back because we paid too much into our, you know, our, for our taxes for the year or whatever. And we got this check in the mail. She didn't remember anything. It's, it's great life. And so I have to remind her all the time. So it's, we've, we've had a great life, honey. And, I've been perfect. I've done nothing wrong. So, so, so we got this check back one time and we were like, what? Where did this check come from? You know, and I mean, just ignorance. We didn't know that you paid too much money into the taxes, you dork. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. We got the money back. Hello? Hello? So I'll just hold it. So anyway, so it was just a point of we had no, we had just ignorance and not understanding that that's what was happening. We got this money back. The Lord provided exactly what we needed at the time. See, we weren't resting anything. Why? Because we didn't have anything. Well, now, almost 20 years later, things are a little bit easier. You know, we're not as paycheck to paycheck as we were at one point. So I probably don't cry out to the Lord as much as I used to for money. Why? Because that's just not where I'm at right now. There's other things I cry out for, but that's just not where I'm at. Now, that's probably shame on me because I should should still be crying out to him. Should I not? Lord, just again, just can you just take care of my needs? Lord, help me. 
just provide for me today. Because again, nothing is promised, correct? So it's this arrogance that we have. We all have this arrogance. We're, we're just relying on earthly things. And this boasting, it's the act of glorying. These people are presumptuous in their life. They glory in their own ignorance. They just glory in their own ignorance. And so we, as we sit there and we look at this, we go, we, you, but now you boast in your own arrogance, your own desire to have your own earthly things, and all such boasting is evil. You shouldn't be boasting in the fact that I'm a self-made man. You know, you've heard that joke before. What part did you make yourself? None of it. You know, the Lord made you. And so, well, I've got this incredible wisdom. I'm, I've got, no, the Lord gave you that wisdom. Well, no, I've got, no, again, you don't have anything. Again, the very breath that you breathe today has been provided by God. That's just the breath that I'm breathing. I mean, just the basics of life. The very air that I'm breathing right now has come from the Lord. So again, what part of anything did you have to do with anything? I've got three kids and I've got a wife and and these. and Well, it's the Lord. Praise God. Oh, you guys are great parents. And, And... Christine's probably better than me, but we've been blessed because the Lord also has done great things within our kids. And so, yeah, we want to rise up and take the credit for it, but man, praise God, I've already told you, I was a hot mess at one time, so I know it's not me. I know it's the Lord. The Lord is the one who's given us the wisdom and the counsel and the understanding. So as James gets us all the way through all of this stuff, the, the whole chapter 4, and this is where we're at. And so in this verse, I had a hard time with this verse. I, I was, for the longest time, just looking at it going, I, I don't understand what does this have to do with the rest of this chapter. This is therefore, so it's supposed to be therefore because of everything that we just read, correct? So it's therefore, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And I was like, what? This has nothing to do with anything that we just talked about. And the Lord just kind of tugged on my heart and said, well, Kevin, actually, it, it does. It says, that's just the fact that you're so unsure about tomorrow. You're so unsure about anything that's going to happen in your life. I mean, again, nothing is promised. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us, whether you're 15 or whatever, okay, or anywhere in between. Tomorrow's not promised. So because of that, we've been called to action today to do what God's called us to do. Yes, you're supposed to have your plans and you're supposed to be looking forward to where I'm heading to as a direction on on a ship. I need to be able to be ready to go. But tomorrow is not promised. So therefore, when Paul says, therefore, to him who knows to do good, well, I know that I could do this right now, but I'm not going to because, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of do it tomorrow or I'm going to go do it next week or next year. Next year is much better for me. Well, tomorrow's and next year is not promised to you. To know the good that needs to be done right now, again, we need to be doers of the word. Remember that? All the way back in chapter 1, James is continuing. We need to be doers of the word. If there's action that needs to be done today, then we as Christians have been called to do it today. Because again, tomorrow is not promised. The next week is not promised. Again, we make plans and we have desires and we have goals of where we're going at. But if there's something that needs to be done today, today is the day. Not tomorrow. Well, Monday's better for me. Man, if you know that there's something that needs to be done, if there's a neighbor that needs to be blessed, if there's a phone call to a family member that needs to be made, today is the day to do it. Because if not, James is calling on, if you don't do it, I'm telling you right now, it's sin. You've just, you've sinned. You've grieved the Lord. Why? Because you know that you need to do it. 
Why put off tomorrow what you can do today? Well, Kevin, I, I, I don't want to talk to that person, and I, I don't want to do that. For me, many times, it's just I'm lazy. I'm just selfish. I, it's not good for me right now. I'm just tired. I have a busy day. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll feel better. I won't feel better tomorrow. I'll be lazy then too. But, but it's just an easy thing to say that, well, I'm just, I'm just tired. I don't want to do it right now. But God's called us to do it. And if I know that I need to do it right now, then I need to do it for the Lord. Do it for Jesus. I don't want to sin. I don't want to grieve the Lord's heart. We had a great illustration of this. Go to Acts chapter 2. This will be the last thing that we turn to. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Like I said last week, I think James is painting a different picture of the church, the early church. Um, If you guys have read uh, Acts, uh, again, Acts is just a book. You just think it's like the perfect church. You know, everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. Everybody's just fellowship with each other. Everything's selling everything, coming together. I mean, Acts is every, the church is great. And James is sitting there and he's looking at his church and he's like, man, there's issues within my church. And he's writing this letter and he's kind of directing and, and correcting things. Well, we turn to Acts chapter two, verse two, verse 42. It says, and this is the early church. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. And the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Not all, believe, not all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread and going house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their church daily those who were being saved. And I think this is the desire of what James is saying here is that, you know, again, there, there needs to be a doing of what it is. Again, Christianity is, is a verb. It's, it's, an, it's an action within our life. Again, yes, we get saved and we come to an understanding we have salvation. But as I continue to talk about, there's the rest of your life is the sanctification process. And that's where the Lord continues to work in you and He continues to strengthen you and, and strengthen those areas of weaknesses and, and build you up and gives you different talents at different times to do different things that He's called you to do. Well, today, church, what, what is our job? Uh, my, my, our desire, any church's desire, is I, I want to be this. This is who I want to be. We need to come together and we need to build each other up. And any infighting that there might be of, of speaking evil and slandering each other and, and, and playing gods and people's lives, and that, that has no place within the church. You don't see this in, the, in the, the scripture that we just read in Acts. They weren't slandering each other. They weren't ripping each other. If anything, they were, they were selling everything. They were bringing it together and saying, hey, man, what, what do you guys need today? Stephen, you need this? Hey, man, here you go. Bless you. Praise you. And, and what do you, Yvonne, what do you need? Okay, Yvonne, I got you over there. Hey, you know, can we just get together and let's just pray? And let's just, let's just fellowship together. Can, can we just do that? Can we just love on each other? Yeah, let's get together and let's go. You're with Steve's tomorrow and, and we're going to go to Jeremy's the next night. And we're just going to go to house to house and we're just going to, we're just going to love each other. We're just going to bless each other. Well, that's, that's the doing of the word. And it says here, amazing thing is this, and, and, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Why? Because it wasn't just that they came and heard a great message or an okay message. Okay. It wasn't because of that. It's not that they came here and they heard great worship at a church. 
It's because they saw the church acting as the church should be acting. They were being doers of the word and they were just blessing other people who needed it. And then the world looks at that and goes, man, I, I, I love that idea. Those people are great. They just, they care for each other. They, they see somebody down, they lift them up and they help them. And then there's no, there's no backstabbing. There's no, there's just the churches just together and they just love each other. Uh, can I, can I be a part of that? Well, yeah, come on inside. Man, do you know who Jesus is? And they just, they lay out the word of God to them and then they, they come to know who Jesus is and boom, they're saved. It happened every single day. That's, that's my desire for the church. And you guys know I've just, I, my, my heart is just that I don't care about a building and I don't care about, um, the traditional ways of however we feel we need to do church. I, I, I so desperately want if if I just inspire one person today, it just the church needs to be at your house. You guys need to live the church. We we are the church. And any any faulting of what we see or do not see within the body of Christ, it's it's on us. He just wants us to be doers of the word. He just wants us to lay our lives down and go, man, God, today, you know, it's not me who lives anymore. God, it's you. I just I just offer my life to you. How would you use me today? Well, today I just want you to love your wife. Oh, done. Man, I'm going to go love my wife today. Today I want you to go love your neighbor as yourself. All right, I'm going to go rake the leaves for that guy. And I'm going to go trim his tree. Or the lady down the street, man, she's having a hard time. I'm going to go walk her dog for her. I mean, just, again, it's the church. We need to be Jesus Christ within our neighborhoods. I just love you guys so much. I want you to to have the full understanding and have the blessing of everything that God wants you to have. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.